Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. If you're looking for jewelry that makes an impact on your self-care routine and your style, Empowerography would love to offer you a discount code to one of our exclusive partners, Quartz and Canary Jewelry and Wellness Company. Please use code EMPOWER15 to receive 15% off upon checkout at www.quartzandcanary.com. Quartz and Canary is truly the place where spirituality meets style. Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest is Kelly Lynn Adams. She is an award-winning entrepreneur, an IPEC certified executive leadership and life coach, and a business success strategist. Good afternoon, Kelly. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here. Welcome. Hi, Brad. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. How are you today? I'm doing good. The sun is out. Yeah, that's always a good thing. (laughs) And I'm doing good. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for taking and making the time to be here with me today and share a little bit about your story and your journey. I appreciate you making the time. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So as mentioned, all of those things, plus you are an international speaker, you are a podcast host, and the founder of the Woman work worth movement. That is a hell of a lot of hats you're wearing and quite a resume. How on earth do you find the time for all of this? And how do you prioritize and how important is prioritization to you? Yeah, it's a good question. So <laughs> I don't know how I actually do it. <laughs> I just do it. <laughs> By the grace of God, you know, you know, and it's actually, you know, I'll dive deeper into my story and, and also like how to be more productive and all of that. It was a really big lesson for me throughout my life. You know, I'm definitely a recovering type A perfectionist, people pleasing, and that served me really, really well. And it's linked also to my childhood trauma and all of that. And, you know, I started on Wall Street. I, you know, climbed the corporate ladder. And, you know, like I said, it served me and I landed in the hospital. I got chronic illnesses just because I was doing all the things. I was doing all the things and I wasn't paying attention and I was getting red flags. Like I was getting red flags to Kelly, slow down. You're not listening to your body. You know, your mind, even my mind, it would loop into these like negative obsessive thought patterns. Like, so it really was like a mind, body, soul that I was not listening to. And because of such a deep, for me, it was like, oh, I need to prove myself. I need to, you know, because my whole thing was one of the tracks that I was running in my head was like, my worth is equal to how hard I work. And I mean, that was the programming that I had from childhood because I was the firstborn. I really had to raise myself and And so I don't know what the best answer is for like, you know, I've tried so many different things and some things work in different seasons of my life and, and different times. And then some things don't, you know, like sometimes a morning ritual works, you know, for the next 90 days or sometimes having the to-do list and only three things on the to-do list. So I think it's really like a personal question for everyone because everyone has so much going on. Yeah, absolutely. So how long have you been a leadership and life coach, Kelly? Oh my gosh. So I got certified in 2009 and yes, yeah, so I've been coaching since then and I've been coaching <laughs> for a while, like on all different topics, all different. I feel like I've coached 
thousands, so many people on so many different things. And I've grown and I've learned about myself. And that's what I love about coaching is the more you learn about yourself, the more you heal, the more you dive into the learnings for your own self, the deeper and, and more expansive you can go with your clients. Yeah, for sure. What inspired your journey into the world of coaching? Yeah. So I always knew I wanted to be a business owner to some degree. I sold lemonade. <laughs> you know, I, yeah, there yeah. we go. Yeah, back, to the, back to the, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I babysitted like newborns when I was a teenager. Like I did all the things and, yeah. and then there was also this part of me that was like, I just want to live near New York and be on wall street and be in the fashion industry and have this like corporate executive career. And then I did it. And I was like, yeah, I don't, want to do that. (laughs) (laughs) This doesn't resonate. I was like, this doesn't resonate with me. And so I was always looking for something and I knew it was like, I was like, should I start a real estate business? Should I have a retail, you know, brick and mortar? Should I start an e-com business? So I was always like searching. And so my first business, like quote unquote business while I was in corporate was network marketing. So I sold okay. skincare actually. And then okay. one of my best clients in that, and I built teams and I coached them and she basically was like, you'd be a great coach. And I'm like, what's a coach? Like, cause back in 2009, <laughs> it wasn't sexy. It wasn't like, what's it like a basketball coach? A golf coach, a, a tennis golf- coach. What? I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> so then I just fell into this world of coaching and I did my due diligence. I was like, I want to get back. Cause I'm an avid learner. So I'm like, what is this? Let's, let me get certified. Like what? Yeah. And so I fell in love with it because it was like, oh, I'm learning about people, psychology, it's energetics, it's it mindset. I was like, oh my, this is fascinating. And then I started coaching people for free and I'm like, wow, this is really fascinating. And then I got hooked. And then, <laughs> the rest is history, the rest as they is say. History, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why did you decide to focus your energy and business on helping to empower women? Did this journey begin with some of your own personal struggle or as a result of? Yeah. You know, I, believe it or not, I grew up very shy. I had a speech impediment. I had like a learning disability. Like I I was such a horrible test taker (laughs) and I was bullied a lot as well. So I was confident, but then my confidence was like shaken by by all of that and, and trauma. And, you know, I just, I don't know what it is, but I just feel and felt like this deep, deep calling for, you know, just leaving an impact and a a legacy for the next generation to come, like whatever form that looks like. So my speaking touches on that. My podcast touches on like everything I touch. It's like, okay, what am I here to do? It's to serve, it's to lead with love. And so, you know, I really think it stems from my own childhood, my own experiences of being like, you know, I want to empower women. And the thing is, is For me, in my experience, I found that girls lose their confidence at a certain age, you know, and uh, they're looking to all of this, you know, the so now the social media and, and all of these like unrealistic expectations and they put unrealistic expectations on themselves. And then as we shift, you know, as women, I mean, I look at my grandma and my mom and how far they have come and all the progress that has been made. And yeah. we can argue that is, has really been progress, you know, in certain aspects. Yeah. But I really do believe there has been progress made. And there also has been different things that we get to shift and, and change. For me, you know, ages zero to seven in a child is very informative. You know, I've learned this in my coaching and, and work with trauma and, and, and all this. And so we're programmed, you know, subconsciously at a very young age from the, our culture, our caretakers, society. And so 
for me, it's like everything I'm coaching people is like the unlearning of things, the reprogramming of things, the confidence building, the remembrance, because when you're two years old, you're unstoppable, you know? And so that, and I know that's a long-winded question, but I feel so passionate about it because- (laughs) It's okay. Yeah, we can get to the children quicker. And then also it's not too late. Like even if you're, you know, 60, 70, 80 years old listening to this, it's not too late. It's never too late because we can always change. Like every day gives us a new opportunity to unlearn, to reprogram and to be, you know, the best and better that we can be from, from yesterday. I love that you said that we, no matter how old you are, you can change. And that it's so important that we emphasize that because people get stuck in that mindset where, oh, I'm, I'm 50 or I'm six. I can't change now. What's the point? It's, you know, half my life is behind me. What, what's the point of changing? And yes, we do. I think it serves us better if we can get to people as they're in their informative years, their formative years, sorry, when they're much younger and start the programming there. But we can also reprogram those who are further along. And I think that's very important. And I'm glad you brought that up, that it can change, that it doesn't matter how old you are, change is possible. A hundred percent. And this is the thing. It's like, if we just really unpeel it and unpack it to the simplest form, it's like you woke up today with breath. Like yeah. that means that you're not done. That means That's right. you are here. You've got another day. You got another day. So yeah. whatever that means for you, I mean, sometimes it's like another day of depression or another day yeah. of heartbreak for me. Like, for sure. Trust me. And that's life, right? We wouldn't yes. know what happiness is if we didn't experience sadness. So it's that's the right. yang of it. And to be grateful, even if you are on your hands and knees on the bathroom floor and Trust me, I've been there and beyond <laughs> and it's not comfortable whatsoever. And it's like, okay, like this is what I'm going through. And also with the goodness, like some people yep. actually don't allow themselves. I had, a, I had a coach that asked me this question and it was so powerful to me. And the question was like, how good can you stand it? And I'm like, wow, like that blew my mind. I'm like, yeah, how good can I stand it? Like, can I actually receive even more blessings because some people cap their happiness. That's right. That's right. For sure. They don't allow that in. They don't receive it. They're not open to receive it. Yeah. How then have these experiences helped shape the Kelly you are today, both personally and professionally, do you think? Well, I'm I'm still a work in progress. (laughs) Of course, we all are. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, just these past two years, I've really deepened my understanding of the trauma that I've been through and then also, you know, what is next for me. And I think all of this up to this point has honestly cracked me open. You know, I look at like Kelly five years ago or 10 years ago and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's why this happened or that's why that occurred. And to just know and trust, like sometimes, you know, I don't know if anyone has ever been here. Like we, it's like, sometimes it's like, I don't trust what's occurring or unknown. It's like, I'm really scared. Like what's going to happen next? Like, I don't know the how. And for me, it's like, I just remind myself, I don't need to know the how I just get to put one foot in front of the other. And that's what kind of history in my past has taught me. It's do it perfectly imperfect. Do it messy. Yeah, that's it. it. That's the way to do it is messy. Trust and allow. Yeah. Trust and allow because you're going to only learn from or course correct from what you do. Um, So I think every single thing that has happened, it's such a blessing, even though when I was going through it, you know, it didn't feel like it. Even now, you know, I went through a, a massive heartbreak last year and I'm like getting to, and it's like, I've been through heartbreak. You know, I've been through 
that. And this was, it was also like a, a deep trauma, you know, a deep parental wound, you know, and it like back to from like how my attachment style is and all of that. And, and to the point right. of like, I was making myself nervous and I was like, to the point of like, I was losing my hair and I, I was not all there. And, and, and so what that has taught me, it's like, wow, like even now, like you may experience some things that like really shake you to your core. And it's like, it's always teaching you something. And another powerful question that I always ask is like, what is this teaching me? Right. Yeah. Now? You know, like, what do I get to learn from this? And it sucks. <laughs> but it yeah, was. absolutely. Yeah. But it doesn't suck though, if you are learning from it, which I mean, there's a silver lining in every situation. It's just a matter of looking for it and finding it and leaning into that. Right. Now you're trained in multiple areas and modalities. Can you speak a bit about that and how you incorporate those into your work as well as, could you give us a brief overview of your approach when working with clients? Yeah. Yeah. So every client is unique and different. So one client that I work with one-on-one is totally different from the other. I, you know, I have a program and it's, you know, it's shattering your glass ceilings, but it, it's very different. It's very personalized because there's so many different modalities in coaching. You know, there is the, you know, accountability and, you know, support, <laughs> yeah. where it's like, yeah. okay, what do you need to get done by next week? You know? And then there's, you know, all the way to the other spectrum of like trauma informed. So trauma informed is a whole nother aspect where I get to work with and, and really, you know, know the signs of trauma and know the tools and modalities and techniques that, that I get to work with trauma to somatics, you know, and somatics is really like, the, like in your body. So whenever we experience trauma, some people, you know, experience trauma from COVID, meaning all trauma is, is too much, too fast, too soon. So that could be anything that could be getting into a car accident, you know? So when trauma is experienced, it is stored in the body. So if you have ever experienced some kind of event, it may be lodged in your body. So what somatics is, is really kind of like nervous system regulation, meaning, okay, how do I make my body feel safe, right? How can I infuse safety in my body? So something could be, you know, putting your one hand over your heart, the other hand over your belly, and then taking like three deep breaths. So that signifies to your body and your brain that, okay, I am safe even though it, does, it may not like feel like it. Um, so there's little tweaks in the somatics in the body that you can do, getting outside for fresh air, drinking a cold glass of water, dancing, you know? So that's another approach. Another tool or modality that I do is working with the energetics, right? So right. this is like coachy terms, but regardless of what you identify with as a male, female, transgender, whatever, everyone has female and masculine energies, meaning masculine energy is the, the doing, the go, 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 the, you know, the accountability. Feminine energy is more of like the receiving, the allowing, the way waiting, the pausing. So we are always interacting in both or so we get to really polarize that within ourselves and say, okay, am I acting my masculine energy too much? Do I really need to lean back and have fun? So that's another thing. What else? A somatic release, right? Back to the somatics is releasing. So some people when they're driving, okay, I'll give you an example someone cuts them off and one person could be like a, like have such raging anger yeah. and get out of the car and it's right. And then the other person could be like, all right, no, no big problem. deal. And keep driving. Yeah. So the difference is nothing's wrong, right? Good or bad. The difference is why does the person react, have such a reaction, right? And, th and this is every, listen, I still get, <laughs> I 
<laughs> action and triggers a certain thing that I'm like, okay, Kelly. But the reason is because uh, back to the body, we have suppressed as a population, as internationally, <laughs> we have suppressed feelings. Like we are taught boys don't cry or yes. we are taught it's not okay to feel your emotions. It's, we, we are taught, why are you crying for 10 days straight? Are you depressed? There's negative connotations that are learned from society and other people and whatever. So a lot of us suppress, we do the social media scroll, right? We do the, um, maybe we eat over it, maybe we shop over it. So all of these are suppressions of our emotions where what you can do is set a date to really feel your emotions. Like maybe go to a rage room and, and throw, you know, axes or plates or maybe hit a pillow yeah. or scream into a pillow to get it out, right? To get, because, and what that will do is, you know, it takes 90 minutes to, to really go through an emotion, but you know, listen, I've been hitting pillows for like five minutes straight. You know? <laughs> so, but what that does is it, it actually think of a hose. And if there's a kink in a hose, all you're doing is unkinking the hose and allowing yourself to like be open to other things, right? right. You don't fly off the handle. So those are just some of the different techniques of coaching. There's all different things like how you listen, how you ask questions, really in, a lot of it's also intuitive. So I really just like tap into whatever is needed in the session and the session can go in any way. Or the client might come to me and be like, hey, I want to focus on this and we focus on that. So right. that's why I love coaching because it's so, I love like just the freedom and, and I love not just being, oh, I'm just an accountability. It's not structured. Yeah. I like, the, I like the structure of it and I like the, the freedom of it. So what type of person or client is your ideal client, Kelly? Like what things do you look for in a potential client before deciding to work with them? Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of like if you're dating, right? It's like the, the right match. I mean, it's a tough question for me to answer. I mean, I just have a feeling and I just know, like for me, if I know I can't serve someone, I won't take them on as a client and I will refer them out because I have such a great, great support system. And, and I know tons of coaches, but I guess for me, like in this season, because I mean, I work with executives that are brilliant and like world leaders and celebrities and athletes and, and all of the things. And I love all of them, but I think in this season, I just, because it's my signature program, I love really helping women, you know, women that are go-getters, women that are doing the damn thing and that are, you know, similar to me, shattering their own glass ceilings, whatever that means. And that could be financially, that could be emotionally, that could be. So it, to me, the most important thing I would say to answer that question, it's, it's women, but you know, I have a great time with men coaching men. It's, you know, men sometimes are easier to coach. I'm, I'm just saying, it's sometimes they're more receptive, not all the time. You know, I think it's really, someone has to be committed and willing and receptive. Yeah. That's the best client for me. You know, yeah. I mean, I'm just like, oh, I'm so excited because I'm like in the middle of like launching my program, but it's more of the ideal client is the right fit. You know, I would say. So you had mentioned you worked in on Wall Street and so you were in corporate. How tough or easy was that transition out of corporate into entrepreneurship and what facilitated that shift for you? It was easy, but I waited too long. <laughs> <laughs> because the start of it, Wall Street was was very challenging for me. <laughs> it was, you know, it was one of my first jobs out of college, and I was getting cars home at midnight, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, like what the heck is going?" On? I didn't sign up for this, and that's what led me to the fashion industry. And so the reason why I said I stayed longer than I really needed to is because I was making really good money. I had like every person's dream job in the fashion industry. I was working with dynamic people, like it wasn't all bad. Like it was like, 
oh, I work for all these fashion brands and I get to go to fashion shows and meet with like, you know, sit at dinners with like these amazing people. And like, it was amazing. And it was also, I got to let that go, you know, cause my coaching business was taking off and I was like, oh, I could leave at any moment. And I just was scared. You know, I was just like, oh, I don't want to lose this, but you know, I, I'm really, my passion is really this. So, so the transition wasn't that hard. I think it was more of, I waited too long. And I think I waited too long is because a, it wasn't, it wasn't so bad, you know, yeah. and B, it was the self-trust, you know, it was the, you know, can I really grow this into like, you know, I was putting a lot of pressure on myself, a multi-million dollar brand, like, and that yeah. and I was weight, right? So there was a lot of internal stuff mm-hmm. that it was like, you know what? And back to the like perfectionism and, you know, the, all of those things, those self-limiting beliefs. Yeah. It's like, and it's just like, just do it, you know, just, <laughs> and it was like, kind of like, oh, I don't, you know, all the perks that I was getting in the fashion industry, you know, I got clothing allowances. There were so many things that I was like, oh, I really don't want to leave this behind, you know? So, so I said, it, it, I guess it was, it wasn't that easy to the fact that, you know, it was kind of like that juggle. What lights you up or excites you the most about being an entrepreneur? You know, there's a lot of things. I think it's, it's really the freedom, but it's the impact that I'm making and that I get to create, you know, it's, it's kind of like, I feel like an artist and I can paint like any picture that I want. And to me, it's, how can I get better from yesterday? Because I'm a constant learner and unlearning things. And, and to me, I think that's really exciting because I get to play. I get to play. I get to make profit. I get to really be of service and, you know, really shine my light. And, and to me, it's not really about me. It's about like helping other people to become like the best versions of themselves and they already are. It's just kind of like the statue of David. It's like chipping away at the yeah. layers that, you know, make them remember like who it is they are. So I guess that right. excites me, the freedom, the creativity, the, um, the impact that I'm making. So on the flip side of that, what would you say is one of the most challenging parts about being an entrepreneur that you've found so far in your journey? Yeah, that's a good question. So the constant for me, just in my situation as a coach, like the constant unlearning of things that I'm like, oh, wow, it was programmed and I, my, the self-limiting beliefs, you know, still yeah. un- unraveling them, unpeeling them. I'll be honest, sometimes it's discipline, you know, it's like, I don't yeah. want to, like, I don't want to do this. And it's like, no, I get to do this. Like, I remember, and it's like, I don't, uh, so sometimes the, the discipline and the commitment, you know, it, it is not always easy sometimes. What else? You know, right now I'm scaling my business and it's, I'm learning so much because I'm like, oh my gosh, like at times it's overwhelming. You know, it's like, wow, can I building something too big? Right. The, the self-doubt, like all of that still creeps up. Yeah. So what else is, is challenging? I think it's, I don't do this as much, but I was, I was in like a comparison trap a lot, like looking at what other people. That competition mindset. Yeah. The competition was like, oh, they started around the same time as me and now they're, you know, X, Y, and Z. And I'm yeah. like, you know, putting that. So I don't do that. That was a big narrative. I would say like four years ago with me. Now it's just like, oh, okay. But it still creeps up. I would say that's kind of yeah. also hard because you're it's you against you but then it's also like yeah but I gotta get my butt in gear and then also you know this is a first last year I had one of my first clients ever pass away and I think that was really hard for me and she was young and 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 she passed away from cancer and very quickly and 
you know, I think, you know, when you're working with people so closely, that was very hard for me. Um, so I, I would say that's challenging when you see people that you're impacting not here anymore. And that, yeah, and that, for sure. So, and I'm not saying that happens to everybody, but it, it, you know, in this type of work that, that I'm in coaching the speaking, you get close to people and it's um, absolutely. Yeah. So that, I would say that would also be a, that, that competition mindset piece. That's a huge thing. And it's hard to get over that, but I think you look at it, at least for me anyway, because I dealt with that too. The first couple of years I was in business and it's like, you got to shift that mindset to think and to look at it as I am my only competition. As long as I'm improving mm -hmm. through time, that's all that matters. And another thing I've heard people say is you can't compare your year one to someone yes. else's year 10. Yes. That's apples and oranges. You can't do it because there is no comparison. A hundred percent. That is absolutely right. And it's like, you may not be given something because right now you may not be able to handle it. That's right. right. You're not and ready for it. You're not ready for it. And also it's like, just trust, right? That your time is, yeah. I've, I've known people that have had this huge success and now like, where are they? You know, like, yeah. again, it's, it's kind of like winning the lottery, right? It's like yeah. when you, you hear some of these lottery winners go bankrupt in three years, well, why? Right. Because they, like you said, they couldn't handle it. Their, their capacity to receive and keep the money and all that like is not there. So the same thing, it's like, I know when I was in that space, I was like, I don't want to hear it. Like, yeah, oh, yeah of course, divine timing. <laughs> and it's true. Like it's, it's like, there's a reason why something is waiting or it's not happening right now. You are giving your best and you're doing aligned action and you're, you know, you're hundred percent keeping your side of the street clean. Like I say, and doing all the things necessary. And it's still not like you're bucking up against something. It's because it's not the right timing or because it's divinely orchestrated to your highest good. Cause everything is working out for your highest good. That's right. Now being an entrepreneur is not for the faint of heart. It's not for everybody. And it's a tough journey, but it's also on the flip. It's very rewarding. I mean, I couldn't imagine going back to working for someone and, so what is the one piece of advice you would offer to someone who's thinking about making the leap into the world of entrepreneurship? Yeah. Have a why that makes you cry because there will be days that you don't want to do something. There will be tons of rejection. There will be all different things that happen. And if you are tuned in to your why, it's like the no matter what, you're going to do this. You know, no matter what, you know, my first ever coaching group, I was so embarrassing. My first ever coaching group, I launched it, no one bought. And I made right. it public and I was like, oh my God. Like, and it's like, okay. So it's like, you're going to have those times. You're going to have people talking about you. You're going to have people, like all of the things that you can possibly imagine. I'm not saying they're all going to happen to you, but it's like when you have a why that, that makes you cry and that like, you're like, no, I'm doing this no matter what. And I would say this too. I know you asked me for one, but just, you know, be gentle on yourself because for years when I was in corporate, I was like, I just want to go full time. And I was my own worst, you know, enemy. And I was putting a lot of pressure. I was like this, you know, the, the 50, 50, like I was saying before, I was like, no, I want to leave, but I don't know. it's like, just, you, you will know. You will know when it's time. No one can tell you when the good time is. Everyone can give you all the advice and just tune in because you'll know when the right time is for you. And you could always 
go back to corporate. You could always find something out. Don't put so much pressure on it. What would you say are the top three skills needed to be a successful entrepreneur? Commitment. Like I said, being committed no matter what. Mm -hmm. Uh, Resiliency. Mm -hmm. So the ability to get back up when you are thrown down or life throws you down or something happens. And I would say passion, you know, really like deep, deep love that you have for yourself, for others and for what, for what you do. And then what would you say is the most entrepreneurial thing about you? That's a good question. (laughs) (laughs) I would say, you know, I'm obsessed. So you could be obsessed in a negative way or a positive way, right? (laughs) It's like, I am so tenacious and obsessed where, and I've been cleaning that up, meaning like, and this really serves me in the way of not allowing anything to throw me off. Like, it's like, oh, if I got thrown off, it's like, how quickly can I get back to center? You know, so I would say that, and I know it's like, I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. There's no such thing as good or bad, but like, yeah, I would say being obsessed in with what I want to create. Now, I want to speak a little bit about women in entrepreneurship and the landscape of women in entrepreneurship and women run businesses. I come from a corporate background and you have too. So you've seen, I'm sure you've seen it as well, that mindset and the behavior of the old boys club mentality when it comes to all the different things like equal pay for women doing the same job as their male counterparts or women in C-suite level positions and seats with board at the boardroom table. It's ridiculous that that attitude of the forties still exists and we're still dealing with that. But, and I, I think that we're starting to see a shift in mindset with a lot more women. So I'm curious what your thoughts are on the landscape of entrepreneurship and women run businesses. I think it's 50, 50, like you said, like you know, just last month I was coaching one of my clients. She's still in corporate. She's high exec and she's dealing with that exact thing of the boys club. Like, right. of, and it's, it's wild to know that's still going on. And, but it's wild that a lot of things are still going on. And then there's other companies that are very, you know, equal pay, like just very good to women. So I would say it's like, I'm seeing both. I'm seeing like 50, 50 and all we can do. And and it's like, what are the shifts that can occur? Because I think we have come so far, but there's still a long way to go. And the only way that that's going to happen is it's not fighting the fight with the fight. You know, it's because I also know that there's like, like you, like, you know, men that are very much advocates. Like I've had men in my corporate career that, that were such advocates for me, you know? Uh, So it's, it's not fighting the fight with the fight. Like it's seeing where we can shift the mindset that needs to be shifted. And I think that looks like different things in different ways. It's like, because when you really get to question a person, so if they have the mindset of like, no women should, you know, be making whatever 40% less, or they should be staying home or whatever the heck, you know, the beliefs are. And just being curious with that person being like, why do you think like that? Like, why? Like, where's that coming from? Where is that coming from? And it's coming from (laughs) almost always it's coming from the past programming. Like it's because we're all two-year-olds again, right? At one point we're all two. We didn't have those beliefs. We were raised into them. And and some of this is, and I I want to go too woo-woo, but some of this (laughs) is, is generational passed down from generational lineage. For example, like trauma. If your grandmom experienced rape, you know, or right. something that is in 
the DNA and is carried in. And, and I know it's a little woo-woo, but like it's carried in the womb. So all of this stuff, <laughs> all of what we're talking about is from the past. So it's, it's shifting to me from a bigger level. It's like shifting the conversation. It's shifting the mindset. And sometimes we can radically do that. And sometimes it's like we have to move and make the small shifts to help yeah. people be aware of like their thinking. But then there's ignorance too, right? There's yeah. some people oh, yeah. that are, it doesn't matter. Like they believe what they believe and there's nothing and nothing that anyone could say. And that's like, okay, well, that's just being ignorant. Well, you can't, you can't change people's minds that are of that, that are not open to receiving and, and looking at things through a different lens. Right. It's just not possible. Right. And like, how can you bring loving into that situation, you know, in that, yeah. in that realm? So you being a women's empowerment advocate, what do you do to empower yourself and other women? I guess a good question. I mean, <laughs> I feel like, what <laughs> you know, it's to me at the core, there's three things, right. That my coach, you know, said to me once is people are always seeking three things, approval, control, or safety and security. So any one of those are threatened, which is, I mean, that's every, right. Approval, security, control, yeah. safety. There is disempowerment that happens, right? So at the core, core level, if we peel back all the layers to the onion, the core is that it is just love, right? Like empowerment is love. We all want to be loved. We all want to be, feel like we're good enough. We all want to feel yep. worthy. We all want to feel powerful. Mm -hmm. We all want to feel safe. So at the core end is like, I am love. So to me, how I do that, you know, for me personally, it's, I love on myself in some of the, you know, even when I'm being harsh on myself, it's like, okay, how can I pause right now and love on myself, right? Regardless of how much money I make, regardless of who loves me, regardless of any external circumstances that I'm either really passionate about or anything like that, it's like, what does the two-year-old Kelly need? She needs to be loved, to be seen, to be held, to be witnessed. So that is how I go back to empowering myself in the times where I may be beating myself up, I may be experiencing internal shame. And so then when I do that for myself, I just then become a ripple effect for everyone else that I touch, right? So what that means is, you know, so my first answer to that is like, love on yourself more, even more. And yeah. it sounds so cliche, but like really <laughs> when you are in a shitstorm, or when you have internalized shame or you're feeling a certain way, you're pressuring yourself or you're doing all those things to yourself. And we do it sometimes unconsciously and subconsciously. It's like, what would two-year-old you need in this moment? Sometimes it's like wrapping your arms around yourself and hugging yourself. Maybe that's going outside. Like, so with other women, I think I do it in all different, well, I know I do it in all different ways. Like whether that's through me speaking at events or on podcasts like this one or within my coaching. It's like wherever I am, it's like the question is like, how can I be of service? Yeah. How can I help? Because that's what it is. It's the empowerment behind the the person, the, the empowerment behind the event the, and our words. You know, our words create our world. Our words, our wands, our thoughts are, are also very powerful, our feelings. So it's, it's kind of like your thoughts, your words, your feelings, your actions, right? If we can, if we can <laughs> monitor those, like that's where it starts. You know, in some of the, in my coaching, I'll hear language and even my language also gets to be cleaned up, but it's like, your language is so powerful. And sometimes people will be like, oh, I'm so stupid. And it's like, wait, what? <laughs> 
What did you yeah, say? Yeah, your words yourself? have power. Yeah. So it's like if you're saying that, you're thinking that, right? So it's yeah. We get to reprogram the thoughts, then everything else kind of you know takes. And it, of course, you might be thinking that because maybe that was also said to you as a child, yeah, right? True. So speaking of empowerment, what does that word mean to you? What does the word empowerment mean to Kelly? What it means to me is you just feel in a, in a flow state, like you're, you're just free, you're flowing, you're passionate. It's, it's, I think to me, it's like the, the core essence, like childhood wonder. I always, I'm, I always I'm like going back to this childhood thing, but it's like children are just empowered. They just are. Yeah. You know, like that's our birthright. It's, it, it's so just like worthiness is our birthright. So to me, that word empower, it, it's, it's just, it just is right. It's how you were as a child, you know, is yeah. you didn't need to do anything or be anyone or wear anything or look a certain way. You just were like, you just yeah. walked in the room, you played with sticks in the dirt, you were empowered. Like, right. Like, <laughs> You know, you, you were yeah. messy, you were, you were had your tantrums, you were empowered, right? For sure. So it's, it's, I think it's just a state of being where it's, it's just, you just are, and you just don't, not that you don't care, but it's like, you just, yeah, you just are. So keeping with this same theme, I'd love to talk about your woman work worth movement. Can you share with us what your movement is all about and what inspired you to start the movement? Yeah. So the movement was back in the day when I first started out, it was called the after five club. So I was actually helping women get out of their nine to fives. And so now it just transformed more into just a, a bigger audience, you know, where it's just empowerment on, on every level, right? So everything that I touch, so it's really having women come back to themselves, you know, and seeing where they are stuck and where they can build community. And and just, it's all the things that, that women want and need, you know, it's such a, it's a movement within my brand and it's just like really my community, you know, and I have another kind of other community called the, the inner circle, but that's more of a coaching community. So it's just a place, you know, that, if they want to follow me, they want tools, tips, you know, I have Facebook group, all the things. And then there'll be like, there'll be trainings and stuff coming out for them as well. But it's just really my overall movement of my brand. And so what is the mission or the purpose of the movement? And what are the long-term goals for, yeah. for it? Yeah. So the mission and the purpose is to really like step into your power and to, to own like every single part of you, even the messy parts. Um, the vision is I really want... And this is my overall vision too, yeah. will be under this movement, but it's really impacting millions, like millions. So I like I said, whatever form that comes in, you know, it'll come in any kind of form. And so when I impact millions, then it's a ripple effect for the other women to impact millions, because this is the thing you don't have to impact millions. You can impact one person that impacts millions. So it's as small or big as anyone wants to take on for themselves. For me, I'm very big, <laughs> very <laughs> right. For other people, it's like, no, maybe I work in a nursing home and that's my right. Impact is really like being a stand for these people that, you know, are going to be moving on right with their lives. Yeah. Or maybe it's like a hospice worker that, you know, they want to be right. Their last breath, they want to be with this person. So it's, it looks like whatever to a person. So my job and my mission, my vision is to impact as many people 
so that they can impact as a ripple effect to their communities or their life or their families, however they want to see it. Love it. So you mentioned, and we said you're a podcast host, you launched your own podcast called the Perfectly Imperfect Podcast. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Why you decided to launch a podcast? Yeah. What it's all about? Is it solo? Is it interview style? Is it a mix of both? All of that good stuff. Yeah. So I first came on the podcasting scene. Oh my gosh. It was like five or six years ago. I had okay. a podcast called Making Moves uh, with a co-host and all we did, it was, I mean, it's still up. The interviews are oh, sound quality. Oh my God. You, you would be like, oh, like I listened to, I'm like, I like, I'm like, oh, Kelly was so bad. But that was years ago. And so what we did on that podcast is we did, we just did interviews. We did one season. We interviewed so many like amazing people, you know, top people. And, and it was really fun. I, I can't believe some of them said yes for A, for the sound quality. And they were like, B, for like <laughs> just going with us. Like we were nobodies, not nobodies, but like they were like, who are these two chicks doing this podcast? Anyway, so I really fell in love with podcasting then. I'm like, this is so fun. So then my co host at the time, you know, we just kind of went our separate ways. She was like, I don't want to do the podcast thing, but I still wanted to do it, you know? And we still talk to this day. We're good friends. And so I was like, I, I still want a podcast. So, but the interview stuff, I don't know. I don't know how you do it, Brad, but there's a lot of work. <laughs> it is. Yeah. And so to me, I was like, I don't want to do all that stuff. Like I did it for a season. We did like 20 episodes or something. So I was like, I just want to do it on my own. I just want to have fun. I just want to riff. I just want to like share the, le so it's a solo cast. I just want to share the lessons that my clients and the wins that my clients are getting, the ahas that I'm getting. So it's really like a journey on perfectly imperfect. Like every single, I talk about money. I talk about empowerment. I talk about, you know, limiting beliefs, all of this, everything, all my coaching techniques and tools and strategies. And so it's literally like 10 to 20 minute episodes every week, just okay. me teaching, me promoting myself. Why not? Yeah. Right? And it's, it's really just to serve, you know, and it's just yeah. one thing. I don't directly monetize it, but I've, I have gotten clients through it. I've gotten speaking events through it. But that wasn't really the intention. The intention for it initially was and is still like to just be of service. Like I really don't look at it as a money-making thing in my business at all. Like, and and I, all some of my coaches and, and friends are like, you need to monetize it. I'm like, yeah, but it's not that, you know, I, I will one day directly, but yeah. it's, it's to me, it's just something that I give back to my community, you know. Kelly, what do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful? Really seeing people, really okay. seeing people. And that has to do with, I think, just me seeing myself over the years, <laughs> like really right. seeing myself. I'm, again, I'm still a work in progress. And it's just my intuition has gotten stronger. And I wrote about this in a post. It's, you know, what served me, it's kind of like a blessing and a curse. It's, it's what I call like the chameleon effect. Right. Like I can shape shift to whatever room you put me in in front of whatever person I can talk to an executive and then I can talk to a homeless person. Right. Five right. months later. So but really seeing people and what their greatness is. And I think that really serves me because you get to see what's not being said because everything is speaking. Right. Everything yeah. is speaking. So to me, that has been I would say in this season, that's my superpower. Okay. Uh, speaking of success, how do you define that word? What does the word success mean to you? Whatever that you want to be doing, you're doing. Okay. So if you want to be a housewife and you're a successful housewife, that's success. Like that, like whatever it is that you want. If you, yeah. if you are a fantastic cleaning person and you love to clean and that's your passion and that's being successful. They speak about this. I'm listening to The Strangest Secret by Earl Nightingale. And that's, that's what they say. It's like success means 
whatever it means to you. You know, success yeah. to some people is making billions of dollars. Success to other people is like being the best mom I can be. So yeah. to me, it's it's very relative. I have different ways of how I measure success for myself. I mean, I, I measure it monetarily, health-wise, love-wise. So there's different kind of pillars for me on how I, yeah. you know, define success for myself. What would you say is one of the most important things you've learned in your life? And what was your life like before you learned it? And what was your life like after learning it? Oh my gosh, Rod, these are great questions. <laughs> the greatest thing that I've learned so far? Yeah, the most important, the one most of the important. most important things. I would say, honestly, I'll go back. I've learned a lot. <laughs> I've learned so much. And if I had to boil it down to one is love for myself. When I was not loving myself or, or in loving, and there's still, there still creeps up, still creeps in, is when I am putting extreme pressure on myself, when I am internalizing shame within myself, when I'm making things mean something, giving meaning that hurts myself. That is like all of the things when I am betraying myself, like th that is all like before the lesson of like self-love. And again, I lower the noise on that because that sometimes that's normal, right? That, that, I, that can creep in. And what I've learned and what I've deepened the, the practice of self-love is loving and knowing that like I'm divine, whole, perfect <laughs> in every way and, and not complete yet. And so when I turn up the volume on the self-love, and I think this is the greatest lesson I will be learning this lesson until I'm in my 80s, right? So yeah. like, or 90s or 100s, you know, whatever, whatever God wants me to live to. To me, that looks like now is like loving myself, even when I'm in a shame shitstorm. Yeah. <laughs> even loving myself when I am putting pressure on myself. Loving myself, even when I'm making something mean, something totally ridiculous. You know, loving myself like with all the mess, you know, and, and, with everything going on, you know? So to me, it's like, that has been the biggest lesson that I am still learning and that I get to, and that's why I say being obsessed, <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> right? Because it's, I get to become obsessed with loving myself. And some people may be like, oh, that's so selfish. Yeah. And you get to be selfish with yourself. That's right. Right? Like there's, yeah. who, who said it was bad to be selfish? Because when you love yourself, it's, it's like the whole like, you can't serve from an empty cup kind of thing. It's That's like right. when you are loving and I'm not being saying narcissistic or any of that stuff. What I'm saying is a self-love that's like really loving again, the two-year-old self, right? Like yeah, that, that sure. love. So it's, it's when you get to do that, it's like, oh, okay. This lesson for me integrates through everything. Okay. We're going to jump into a little rapid fire section here. So the next grouping of questions is just be two, three, four word answer type thing. Okay. Oh, okay. Let's see if I can do it. <laughs> you can do it. You got this, Kelly. I know you do. <laughs> How would you describe yourself in one word? Loving. If you came with a warning label, what would yours say? Proceed with caution. <laughs> <laughs> Money or fame? God, these are rad. Oh my gosh. Money. If you had a theme song that played every time you walked into a room, what song would that be? Mm, this girl's on fire. <laughs> that concludes our rapid fire section. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. What is your why? To leave a legacy for the next generations to come. If you had the opportunity to sit down and have a one hour conversation with one woman, any woman in the world, who would it be and why? 
So this is going to, some people are like, oh God, Kelly, I would have a conversation with Kris Jenner. Okay. Because a phenomenal businesswoman, you know, just in awe, but you know, the people that don't like the Kardashians are going to be like, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> All right. If you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? Mm, love yourself no matter what. That's an important one for sure. And lastly, Kelly, if you were to deliver your last 30-second speech to the world, like your corner of the world, your tribe, your people, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? What words of wisdom would you impart? What would you say? So I would say whatever is on your heart and in your head, go do it. Do not leave anything unsaid, undone, or unfelt. Let it all out. Have fun. Play while you're here. Love as hard as you can. And you are here to bring something unique into this world. So you get to do that and just live life. Live life to the fullest and know that you are here for a divine purpose and know that you're always being guided for the highest good. Love it. Great way to end the interview. Kelly, thank you so much for taking and making the time to be here with me today. You are truly an incredibly inspirational woman. So thank you for sharing your story and your journey with us. I am honored to have you as a member of the Empowerography community. I appreciate you. Oh my gosh, Brett, I am so thankful for you. And I, I just want to acknowledge you for just starting this movement and just having it be a ripple effect in the world. And it's so important that the work that you're doing, and I'm just like so honored to be a part of that. So thank you so much. My pleasure. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Kelly Lynn Adams. She is an award-winning entrepreneur, an IPEC certified executive leadership and life coach, and a business success strategist. Thank you so much, Kelly. I hope you have an amazing rest of the day. Thank you, you too. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca and follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.